All right, everyone, I want you to stand up right now. Take out your phones. Take a selfie with your neighbor. It's time to get social. Welcome to the 6th of May 28 recap episode of the Your Team Number podcast from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone and joining me as ever is the only Canadian who found a 129 minute disaster to laugh at which wasn't named Batman vs Superman Dawn of Justice, Logan Saunders. Afternoon. The Australian who has a lavash lifestyle, Ben Powell. Howdy. And the lady who by her own admission has 200 stitches loose, Michelle pierce Denman. What? So random. This was a bit of a random episode. Yes, it was. What can I say? It had essence of being, like, a really classic leg, and then the roadblock happened. Yeah. I don't even think the Lonely Planet theory holds up to that. Uh, remind me of Lonely Planet theory? The theory is that Amazing Race producers have got that lazy that they just buy a Lonely Planet guide and go, hmm, let's go there. This this is this stereotypical task. This country is known for making bread, so let's make them make lavash. So since season one... Well, in, in recent memory, they've just gone for way too stereotypical tasks. So wasn't the first thing they did in, in France go to the Eiffel Tower? It's stuff like in Amazing Race 24 doing the chariot racing in Rome. There's so much they could have done in Rome, and that was bullshit. Yeah, but isn't it always like a, just a touristy version of, of America, an American touristy version of the world? I didn't mind the chariots. It was interesting. Yeah, but remote control chariots. Yeah, I suppose... Real life, large chariots would have been better. <laughs> in older seasons, they would have made them do the uh, the real life chariots, and in fact, they did. What in Hammerarts? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. In fact, Hammerarts is going to Rome this season that's coming up, so I wouldn't be surprised if they probably strapped them to the back of a chariot and dragged them around the uh, a stadium or something. As you do. Just the name scares me. So previously, eight teams continued racing through the French Alps, where they faced their fears in a series of height-related challenges. At the detour, Bernie and Ashley couldn't get it together when they were the only ones who chose campsite. At the roadblock, Corey and Brody faced off, and as Brody fell, Corey soared, giving him and Tyler their second win of the race. At the back of the pack, Erin crashed, making her and Jocelyn the fourth team and final all-female team of the season to be sent home. Just before we start... Like talking about like, can we uh, can we unofficially change our podcast name to the Sherry LeBrant Fan Club? <laughs> yes, I know she's been awesome the past five legs, but she was above and beyond awesome this leg. Poor thing. <laughs> <laughs> I've come around on Cole as well. I know, I know, like we've just declared how much we love Sherry, and now, we, and now I'm slightly talk, like talk shit about her son. But and but like my impression of Cole preseason was sort of like. Um, Oh, he's going to be like so annoying and, ye- and loud and and yell, yell, yell everywhere, and then that, then they just end up being Bro- um, Brody and Kurt. And then Cole was like average, so I was like, oh, I sort of like scale it back, and I was like, oh, he's not that bad. Cool, I like him now. And uh, when you know him having an awesome mum makes it better too. So and we get an Amazing Race twenty six flashback when Phil tries to talk to Brody about uh, Blair and gets completely shot down. No tingling there. 
And teams must now fly to Yerevan, Armenia, and find their next clue outside the Yerevan Opera Theatre. And it's Tyler and Corey leaving at 5.28, Kurt and Brody at 5.35, Dana and Matt at 5.48, Scott and Blair at 6.08, Zach and Rachel at 6.18, Bernie and Ashley at 6.37, and Sherry and Cole leaving last at 6.38. And Tyler and Corey gloat about being top two every leg. <laughs> that was very good. As soon as you get a confessional saying, we're top two every leg, we'd love to keep it that way, you won't be that way for much longer. Uh, and Zach's roommate in college was apparently Armenian. He was apparently big and hairy. It really was too much to hope for a Charla and Myrna actual reference or even just them being the subgrader during the lake, was it? Wasn't it? I mean, it's a a tenuous connection at best, but still. Phil should have introduced Armenia as the homeland of uh, Amazing Race All-Stars, Charla and Myrna. And then just just slam cut to a shot of uh, Charla falling over in the night suit. Or the, uh, the electric fence or her trying to talk to the prostitute. The prostitute would know where the disco is, wouldn't she? And one other stray observation before uh, teams actually get to Armenia. Cole did know it was snowing in France, right? Because he was wearing shorts. <laughs> he would have been freezing. I mean, were they? was Armenia warm? They, he probably dressed for the next destination. They were all wrapped up, I think. I think Tyler and Corey were still wearing their winter gear in uh, Armenia. It's the Northern Hemisphere and it was November, wasn't it? It would be late, late November, early December at this point. All right, all his clothes were dirty. That's all he had left. Michelle thinking like a racer there. (laughs) But his his mum's there doing his washing for him. No mummies on the race. And once teams land in Armenia, they have to head to the ticket office of the Opera Theatre to pick up the tickets to enter. And the office doesn't open till 8am. And they're all on the same flight anyway, so it's utterly pointless. Totally. And there's an express pass for this leg of the race for the winners. Yay. Our favouritest twist in the whole world. You know what would have made it better? Double express pass. Double express pass for three legs as well. That would have just been insane. Double express pass, and they also they also have to transfer it to another person, so three express passes. A, a double relay express pass. <laughs> in fact, as winners of this leg of the race, Kurt and Brody get to decide which team doesn't get an express pass. That'd be interesting. I know that I am um, vocally very against the express pass. But that actually wouldn't be a terrible twist. It would be really good. You could do that in any just, season. Pick a random team. Just, like this, maybe the second team who comes in has to make the decision who can't get it. And then there's so many teams angry with each other. Why doesn't Phil just like transform into Oprah and like, um, look under your bags. You've all got an express pass. Express pass for you. You get an express pass. You get an express pass. <laughs> Everyone gets an express pass. <laughs> I know people have been trying to brainstorm uh, new twists for the US to adopt, and obviously people have been suggesting the salvage pass, which is a great twist. But maybe the equivalent of an express pass, except you have to give it to another team and penalise them. Maybe instead of giving getting the advantage of like half an hour like uh, the salvage pass can give you, maybe you have to penalise a team by half an hour. So like give them, a, give them a hazard? Yeah, pretty much. Well, the hazard was the one in 2019, right? Yes, it was. The hazard was the one with the same board as the handicap from Norway. Okay, so handicap was from Norway. Hazards in hazard was season nineteen. What would the name for that be? Like um, the I'm trying to think of a situation where a know, the the drunk driver um a chicane. The That's hell good. is a chicane? I like that. I love that word too. Chicane. 
Chicanes are one of my bugbears around here. Um, they're the things where there's sort of bollards on either side of the road, so only one car can fit round, and you've got to sort of weave around them. I'll Google that. I have no idea what you're talking about. I live in a town of 30,000 people. Our traffic system is... Um, you won't have a chicane there's, there's, there. There's, line, there's lines on the road. I'll, I'll give it that. No. Sydney's got lots of chicanes. But yeah, that that's the sort of twist that actually might work because you could play it strategically if it was a non-elimination leg and try and penalise the last place team to make sure you survive. Or you could penalise a team who you were threatened by and try and eliminate them. There's many possibilities. Yeah, it's not a terrible idea, and it's one that I've just come up on the, with on the fly. So, you know, hire me, producers. It's something you can just like implement in one of the odd number seasons where they don't rely on the cast. 27 was a great cast. Yeah, but they all, they, they did rely on it. They do tend to rely on the twists in, those, in the odd number seasons. 26 and 24 were the ones with twists, and 28. I think you mean the even ones, Ben. I meant, I meant the ones where the cast isn't the twist. 25 had the stay, 27 had the Relay Express pass, 23 had the had the crickets. I don't know. 21 had the W money. 20, 25 also had the, the double inspiration. Double inspiration. Um, 19 had the hazard, 17 had the watermelon. I think I'm mainly referring to after unfinished business, so you're kind of um, reaching a bit. But yeah, obviously we're ecstatic to see the return of the Express pass because it's a wonderful twist. But at least it'll be done within three legs. And I was so excited that there was no Express Pass this season as well. But how else are they going to talk about strategy? Exactly. Amazing Race should just be Survivor all the time. Uh, so once teams enter the theatre, they have to search for their next clue whilst a sabre dance is going on. And the clue is, in a knockoff from the morality test from the mole, uh, is with the cleaner. They have to not ignore the cleaner who is trying to clean around them. That's clever, actually. I like how it's... Um... Sort of like you know, you know how every season there's usually a a thing where a team will just randomly stumble upon like someone who has nothing to do with the task and is not in race colours or has a mark or anything, and they have to like sort of awkwardly ask around and have a clue. Well, in this place, you have to have to actually awkwardly ask ask around for people who have a clue or not. Yeah, it it's a slight reach to say it's a knockoff of the morality test from the mole, but it's not a complete reach. Well, it won't be a complete reach because the vacuum cleaner had like a extendable extendable nozzle. This uh, active route info shows who pays attention to their surroundings rather than just frantically searching everywhere. That music would make me search really fast. Yeah, it's the sort of music you couldn't eat to because you'd get indigestion. <laughs> I did appreciate that Zach was asking around whether people had hidden the clues up their sleeves, though. Because that is a very magician thing to do. Who was looking under people's dresses or coats or something? Was that Blair? I think it was. That was Blair, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you could just hear everyone giggling in the background. Locals around the tasks have to be encouraged to laugh at the silly Americans, right? Or in Eastern Europe or wherever, do they just like laugh at them anyway, regardless of being asked to or not? I think I would laugh at the funny Americans if they were... Well, you're not Eastern European, Michael, so you don't have a say in that. Nobody, I'm going there in summer. So I've got to get into the mindset now. I'm going down to the beach today. Am I, am I a mermaid? <laughs> a merman. Actually, when my cousin and my aunt uh, travel from the States a few times here, right when they show up uh, at my door, I just start laughing at them. You mean they travel all that way and Logan's laughing at them? And that's rude. But they still come back uh, every few months. Just can't seem to get rid of them. Do they keep on coming later and later each time? It's not a boo ring, Ben. <laughs> 
so once teams have talked to the cleaner, uh, they have to head on foot to the cascade and climb all 500 steps to find their next clue at the top. Dear God, that's their case. I would have to lie down at the top and die. Yeah, I think the whole reason they put that in was to just try and knacker people. So on the next day, is um, Hammer Rocks when they go to, when they go to the same city. They're gonna be like, um, the rumor is gonna be teams will dig out their clue from the body of this stranded Australian tourist. I'm implying it's your body, Michelle. <laughs> your body will hold the clue for the next season. <laughs> nice. You guys do know that next week's leg in Tbilisi, I'm just gonna be making Hammer Rocks references left, right, and centre, right? Well, now that you mention it, yeah, we will know. I mean, I can't say we won't know after, after this. Like, I'm so disappointed we couldn't do the fake podcast with uh, with it being about Georgia, because, you know, I would have just recreated a hammer. I was like, it would have been awesome. Yeah, like, next fake I can't be, Michael, why are you making all these tre- all these hammer references? This is so unlike you. You never mentioned this before. We've got no warning of this. <laughs> Uh, so Kurt and Brody leave the theatre in first with Bernie and Ashley in second, Sherry and Cole in third, Dana and Matt in fourth, second Rachel in fifth, Tyler and Corey in sixth, and Scott and Blair in last. And did anyone notice that when Blair was reading out the clue, she said hashtag cascade? No. I really hope that that was just her being her, being her rather than actually like, you know, them actually saying hashtag cascade on the clue because that... My soul is my soul's already dead from last week's intro, <laughs> and it's and it's still and it's still continuously dying from the amazing rights having to to force a fake stromance on the on the audience. So it's like, please, it's only got so much life left. I hate to say it, but this isn't the first time that a hashtag has been included in the su- in the clue this season. Erin and Jocelyn said hashtag catacombs in uh, in Colombia, which makes me think. I cannot believe I'm saying this, but I think hashtags might be the memory challenge. And I feel so dirty for saying that. Mm, you yeah. you may be onto something there, uh, Michael. Yeah, yeah. I I feel so horrible for having to point it out, but that's my biggest lead on a memory challenge this season so far, and it's disgusting. Because they'll probably end up going to Twitter's HQ or something. Ugh. If I were a survivor, I'm, I'm naming, the, I'm naming the, the merge tribe hashtag something. Either that or, or I'll like... Um, Convincing the entire tribe to like name a, a specific HTML code to crash the entire CBS website. And San Juan del Sur, they had a hashtag in their tribe name. I thought. Well, producers have vetoed um, tri- merged tribe names before. They probably wouldn't allow you to put a hashtag or oh, hashtag as part of the tribe name. I was thinking maybe producers just genuinely wanted to get an Armenian staircase to uh, trend on Twitter. Yeah, because the story is that Penna tried to name the merged tribe in Philippines "fucking rain." And producers obviously wouldn't let that happen. They said basically we won't sh- we won't show the tribe flag and we won't show uh, what the tribe name is in any of the confessionals. So they changed it to Dangrain. And on um, what was, and on water. the first blood versus water, Taite Waite. I t- I told you guys how that how I'm basically responsible for that entire stack of dominoes falling over, right? Which stack of dominoes? I was actually the first person to post the um, uh, Lisi Lenari's Tidy Whitey's video on in. In um in any of the major like Survivor Facebook groups, which in turn which yeah I was the one who posted that like I found it on Sucks and then I posted it on I posted it in POS in previously on Survivor and then Rob Sestino found it and then it became a big thing in the um in the in in the in the in the IHAP in circle and then that's how um, that's how the uh, merch tribe almost got named Taite Waite. So what you're saying is you're directly responsible for a rival podcast success. <laughs> 
No, I'm, I, I'm saying I'm always, I'm always responsible for, for knocking over the sack of dominoes that got a, a, a tribe name, named after an obscure electronic Peaches knockoff um, song on... You know, you get what I'm saying. I'm pretty sure that Rob, Rob has a podcast. Isn't some, it wasn't some obscure uh, indie brand um, podcast who had no followers. And then the massive fan base of Lucy Linares um, came rushing to, the, rushing to the rescue and made them a huge success within the past two years. I'm pretty sure that's not how it played out, Michael. <laughs> head cannon, Ben. Head cannon. And I know Logan will have picked up on this, but we had the music from Tetris in this episode. Yeah, yeah. The you mean uh, in the theater? Or? I know in the theater they had the acro, the acrobat music playing. It was after the theater. It was between the theater and the cascade. I can't remember which bit it was, but they definitely had a sample of the uh, the Tetris theme in there. Damn the it! I didn't Tetris notice that. Or the um, or the original folk song with the um. Yeah, it's, it's a Russian folk folk song. Russia isn't in Armenia. Come on, producers, get it together. <laughs> Yeah, I, I heard that and thought, okay, they're just playing up with Eastern European stereotypes now of Tetris and being the man who arranges the blocks and that sort of stuff. Yeah, but like, if they even go near like the um, the continent of Asia, they play the um, they play that um, like that ori- that um, sa- the same dun, the dun, same dun, Oriental dun, dun, music. Dun, dun, dun. It's not the vapors, Logan. You are on fire with the current references at the moment. Eventually, I'll make it to nineteen ninety eight. 1998 hasn't taken place in Canada yet, Ben. Yeah, I'll be uh, by the end of this podcast. I'll be quoting uh, Sixpence and None the Richer. If, if you listen carefully in the background, you can hear Logan's modem. I'm still expecting one of these podcasts to be interrupted by Logan. Get off the internet. Where do you use your phone? Damn it, Ben! You stole my joke. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why only managed around Canada. They don't want to. Go, they don't want to like um. They don't want to leave. They don't want to go to any other country because they know it'll cause a, it'll cause a paradox. It's like going to Tomorrowland at Disneyland. Hey, Tomorrowland was filmed here. It's the world of the future, the world of tomorrow. I think no, Michelle wants to say something. Totally off topic. I have to tell you something. Totally off topic. I just, I'm just. Are we not already phone. off topic? Oh, Michelle, wait. I'm so disappointed oh, at you for going off topic. How dare you? When we are a serious, amazing race podcast. Just, Justin. Well, it's still amazing race theme but justin just added me to a group which is called snapchat share and win and he's trying to get people sponsors to come on there to give prizes so that when we share things or something we can win stuff what the hell he's so into social media it's just he's everywhere don't use too many references to modern apps that i only appear on modern phones otherwise otherwise like canada will like disappear and get sucked into itself (laughs) like like a giant in a giant portal Logan, is it true that you still have Snake on your phone? Uh, yes, I have Snake as well as Bubble Bubble. Oh, Jesus. Yes, whilst the rest of us have Facebook or, you know, <laughs> Snapchat or WhatsApp, Logan has Snake. Uh, so once teams climb the cascade, they find out it's a detour, which is thread or bread. And in thread, teams must complete a row of 200 stitches in a traditional rug to receive their next clue. And in bread, teams must make 15 lavash breads to the standard of the judge to receive their next clue. Once I found out that was going to be the detour, I actually went and made some lavash bread. I just don't understand why you made bread. You're a young man and you're making bread. That's amazing. Michelle, I bake. <laughs> I love making bread. Like flat bread. You bake? Like, I... Yeah, I'm a gentleman baker. I'm learning something new about you all. Uh, have you never seen some of my chocolate desserts? They're awesome. Michael, did you just say you bake? 
Yeah, I'm a gentleman baker. <laughs> yeah, that that means because where I live, uh, saying you bake means something completely different. Uh, it's not a sort of Sarah Hanlon style bake. Put it that way. There are more stoners on related television than Sarah Hanlon, Michael. Yeah, but she is the uh, the most recent awesome example. I need to see photos and evidence of this baking and bread making. I can do that. <laughs> it's just like the number one food I eat when like um. It's just number one food I eat. It's in general, it's not lavash in general, like, but like, I don't know if I'm, if I'm if I just like devour, like pull apart bread, like Peter Pockets and stuff. It's just like, you know, you can just like put anything in there. I mean, normally it's just peanut butter, but still. Normally, sometimes it's just like stuff I normally put just put on a sandwich, but other times it's like actual like, actual like Mediterranean sort of food. So bread makes you fat. Carbs. Bread makes you fat. Yeah, bread makes you fat. Thank you for picking up on the reference, Ben. I'm glad someone did. Was this reference after 1999 or before 99? Because that one went over my head. It was, but it is actually a Canadian reference, so, you know, you should have got it. It's a Canadian film. You have no excuse, Logan. It's one of the best Canadian films. Not that that's saying much. What film is that? Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. I've been to some of the the filming locations in Toronto because I'm a nerd. (laughs) I have never seen that movie. You have never seen it. You would love it. The director is the same guy who did Sion of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, The World's End, and was originally going to do Ant-Man, Edgar Wright. Um, he actually had to go to Nintendo's headquarters and get permission off them to use the uh, Fairy's Fountain theme from Zelda. Huh. And of course he said yes, because Nintendo are awesome. But yes, that is, that's your homework for the next week, Logan. Watch that film, you'd love it. The movie went against like um, a whole bunch of actual like big box office like smash hits on its opening weekend so it didn't really do that well but it is an awesome film and i do have it on dvd yeah. the comic's better but it's, it's still good yeah i i don't think what i think one of my school friends has never been more jealous of me than when i tagged her in a picture of scott Pilgrim's house in toronto it was also an interesting looking to finding out that all the mcculkin twins look the same <laughs> yes they do <laughs> kieran culkin so yeah i was a bit worried with the thread detour that if a team screwed up how the hell would they rectify it because they had to sort of cut off the thread once they finish with it i was a bit confused i had no idea what was going on in that detour because like I'm, I'm gay but i'm not that gay so i can't instantly identify a sewing technique or a threading technique just by looking at it so i still had no idea what was going on i know i i understood sort of that they were possibly doing something to a rug or something that's all i got i know that i mentioned quite a lot when it's a boring detail to have to talk about and a boring robot to have to talk about because there's not a lot for us to talk about but yeah, this is probably one of those, but it was interesting enough, I suppose. It's just not great to talk about. Are you kidding? The bread detour was awesome. It's not as easy to talk about as some tasks. It's more visual than, than audio, and audio is what we kind of need. But yeah, the, bre- the bread detour was kind of awesome. I mean, you had half the de- you had half people doing the bread detour burning their hands off, and then you had the, de- the, like, the, um, the supervisor dancing around and laughing of them, and then you had the... Um, the supreme matri- the supreme bread matriarch, like deeming their bread worthy of being accepted into the hall of bread or something. I don't know. She was good. The lavash community. <laughs> there was loads of d- random dancing locals this week actually, because on quite a few of the buses there was just random uh, middle aged women who were just dancing with teams. Well, it makes sense that all the middle aged women are all dancing there because it appears all the middle aged men are on a mountain 16,000 feet in the air repairing a couple of cars. <laughs> it's sort of like a dreamscape where you're suddenly taken to Russia's, uh, one of Russia's Eurovision entries. And then Brody screams and it's like, wait, I'm, I'm alive again. Never mind. 100% this was the Ukraine's entry that they 
I think they won with Verna Sadushka or whatever she was called. That's what it reminded me of. I, I was more thinking of um, before the homophobia stuff like became big and mainstream. It was like the um, old Russian grannies doing the cookies. You know which one I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm sure we're hitting such a wide market talking about Eurovision on an American American reality television show podcast. <laughs> so I'm sure, te- I'm sure tens and tens of viewers of The Amazing Race of America know what Eurovision even is. Can I say that Australia has been accepted in again this year? So we weren't just a one-off anniversary, you know, edition. Now we're actually in it. And Demi Eam is our entry. That's awesome. Is she really? Have you not been keeping up? Have you? Have, no, have you I didn't know it was No, I didn't know it was her. Oh, that's great. Do you know why Australia's been accepted into Eurovision again? Why? So we can so we can get laughed out. No, it's because the rumor is that uh, Asia Vision is going to happen and be led by Australia from next year. So that it's basically a dry run for them. Nice. Asia. So the rest, the rest of the world can exclude America even more. How fun! <laughs> I'm personally more of a fan of Snoopavision. So there you go. I actually related to the American listeners out there. <laughs> that reference is going to be so dated in like a week. And we're back to famous bakers. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. With the L-O-double-G. Um, and did you notice that uh, Blair has got, got called Blair and Daddy again? No. Poor Scott. Well, it's pr- we'll, I think everyone's just sort of resigned themselves to, yep, Blair's the main character of that team. Yeah, it, I find it hilarious that Daddy has basically become his nickname, and, you know, he's not on House of Cards. Uh, so, Kurt and Brody are the first to leave Bread, with Sherry and Cole leaving Thread in second, Bernie and Ashley leaving Bread in third, uh, Zach and Rachel leaving Thread in fourth, with Tal and Corey in fifth, Scott and Blair in sixth, and Dana and Matt in last. And teams must now head to Republic Square, and then take a bus to the first stop after Hatsavan, and search for their next clue by the roadside. Those Two people things. were fast at Threading. They were fast at threading. Sorry, I just had to say that because I have absolutely nothing else to say about the threading side of the detour. It was it, the the bread side was much more fun because you know, you know Ashley Gaynor, Hanbird, and all, and and Curtin uh, Brody uh, dancing with locals. Yep, I know we talk about fun details versus easy details. Bread was a fun detour, and they were pretty balanced actually, which is rare for this season. And then uh, comes the atrocious roadblock design. Yeah, two things are A, Sherry and Cole were um, pretty much owned the detour, and B, the, ran- the random congregation of all the t- teams who a- apparently misread the clue and were like, um, just wandering around looking for where the bus was until Matt and Dana came out last and were like, uh, okay, let's just get a cab. <laughs> and then um, everyone was like, wait, we can get a cab, let's get a cab. My favorite thing that I've seen on the Facebook groups um, in the past sort of 24 hours or so was people going, oh, everyone should have got a penalty for taking a cab to Republic Square. Listen to what they said was the clue. Teams had to head to Republic Square first. Idiots. I saw that on two or three uh, different groups, and it was hilarious on all of them. All teams should get a penalty except for Tyler and Oakley, because they're amazing. Teams should, get, teams should get a penalty for not being Tyler and Oakley. Uh, Tyler and Corey. Tyler and Oakley. I, I, Tyler and Oakley. <laughs> oh, it's like, they're, they're dumb... Uh, they're, they're the modern day, um, wait, no, there's no Annie Oakley, it's Annie Oakley. I'm getting my, I'm getting my historical reference. I, I can't reference anything before 1998. We're like, we're like, I'm like Bizarro, I'm like Bizarro Logan. <laughs> so once teams get to the clue by the roadside, 
which is literally the the location we were told. It's a roadblock, which is who's feeling drained. And in this roadblock, one team member must perform an oil change on a larder taxi before receiving their next clue and taking the taxi they just fixed to the pit stop. Who's up for a task? You can't pass anyone in. I am. Yay. And it's Kurt, Sherry, uh, Bernie, Zach, Dana, Scott, and Tyler doing the roadblock. And they all pretty much work on it together. It, it's funny because the express pass was like, oh no, teams are going to be competing hard for the express pass. It's going to be the most cutthroat throat round of the season. And then as soon as Kurt and Brody are established to win the express pass, then it's like, well, the rest of us can just work together now. Who cares? We can't win anything. Um. So yeah, there is naff all to say about this task unless she's talking about Sherry. Yay! Why didn't... Was it Brody yeah. or Kurt who did it? It was Kurt. Why didn't Kurt just tell Brian Tyre before he left? I mean, they were going to be first anyway. Why couldn't he do that? I was really angry with him. Maybe he thought that they would pass him. Having said that, it was probably a windy mountain pass, so there was no way for any team to pass. Yeah, angry. Um, And Corey says that this is not the leg to help other teams. So then, you know, everyone helps each other. I like how Scott was like, well, I'm going to help Tyler out. I'm going to help everyone else out. And yeah, I'm going to help Sherry out too. Because I, I just can't not help Sherry. And that was it. That pretty much meant every team was going to finish uh, all close together. In Amazing Race 25, we talked about the key sign of a winner's edit being positive scenes and other teams talking about you. This episode was just filled with positive scenes for basically every team apart from Tyler and Corey, which is hilarious. And probably Kurt and Brody, actually. Well, nobody can say anything positive about Kurt and Brody because they'll just scream over them. Every other team got some sort of piece of random information that we didn't need to know, but that we knew anyway. What did we know about Zach and Rachel this round? Zach and Rachel was the Armenian roommate. Oh yes, the scary Armenian roommate. Classic. Bernie and Ashley was the uh, the fact that Bernie used to fix girls' cars to try and get dates at college. I feel like there's a joke in there somewhere, but I just can't figure out what it is. Okay, Kurt and Brody leaving first, uh, with Bernie and Ashley in second, Zach and Rachel in third, Dana and Matt in fourth, Scott and Blair in fifth, Tyler and Corey in sixth, and Sherry and Cole in last. And teams must now take their taxis to the Temple of Garni, the pit stop for this leg of the race, where Phil is waiting for them. There is no mention on the TV of the last team to check in may be eliminated, until one team at the end reads their clue. I think it was Scott and Blair. And Kurt and Brody, shockingly, check in first, and they win an express pass, aka Suck It, Justin and Diana. Because Kurt and Brody win a uh, win a prize on a uh, keep on racing lake. Well, they pretty well. Justin and Diana pretty much won as many prizes as you can get on the Amazing Race in in the Amazing Race. So, and continuing with Phil's ridiculous descriptions of the Express Pass, he describes it as all powerful, except for the twelve or thirteen times it's been in play where it hasn't changed the game one bit. I like to imagine Phil said um, said it was all powerful, and then like actually, and then just looked inside. Oh wait, no, that, that we just like take out Mark Burnett's credit card or the save. Uh, and Bernie and Ashley get second with Zach and Rachel in third, Dana and Matt in fourth, Scott and Byron in fifth, uh, Tyler and Corey in sixth, and Sherry and Cole were seventh, but it's a keep on racing legs, so it makes absolutely enough all difference. So basically, A, they came back from a three-week break with um, a non-elimination leg, and B, uh, absolutely nothing changed from leaving the roadblock to arriving at the pit stop. Good old Amazing Race 28. <laughs> Great planning there, producers. It's like they always have the bare bones of a good leg and then just, like, dumb it down. Or screw up one detail. So next time, teams head to Tbilisi in Georgia, and there's Dancing Sewers and Bloody Fingers 101. At least it looks like it'll be more interesting than this round. Like, at least with this round, the first half of it was okay with uh, checking out the various things in Armenia, but then the horrible play and the couple of terrible twists at the end uh, 
Kind of leaves a sour taste in their mouths. Yeah, I thought it was probably one of the better legs this season, which is, I guess it isn't saying, I guess it isn't saying much, but still. When you scale the legs of this season against each other, this is sort of up there, I guess, in the top three. They're just a bit too congenial, aren't they? As much as I'm trying to give this season a fair chance, you can't have a season where everyone is being nice to each other, because it just doesn't work. Fun for them, but as a viewer, it kind of misses that kick that you expect that you need when watching The Amazing Race. You need a season where if some, at least one team hates another team by the end of it. Like, as for, for what you can say about last season, everyone was saying, oh, it's the worst team ever. Like, you know, it's pretty obvious certain teams do not speak to each other at, um, by the time filming is finished. Yeah, you could easily have just one or two teams that bicker between partners. I mean, 26 was elevated by the wondrousness that was Haley and Blair. And yet they have a very nice cast to each other. I mean, a lot of them went to uh, Matt and Ashley's wedding a few weeks ago. You can have a nice cast as long as you have the entertainment still there. Because you have to have someone bringing it. Or just have it be more competitive between the teams. If they're all helping each other out, then that sort of takes away that whole competition element that a huge chunk of the viewers are watching it for. Then it's like, well, somebody's just bound to get first and win the whole season. It sort of it makes it very asterisky, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Plus, like when um, you know, when the supposed viewers that the social media stars are bringing in, when they say the next season is like completely different from this season, they're probably not going to stay around. They're not even going to stay around once their favorite is eliminated. So, it's a bit of a poor planning there. So, we will finish this week with two listener questions. First of which is from Manib Khan, who says, Why are the producers trying to create so many bottleneck scenarios near the end of an episode and thus contrived close finishes at the pit stop? And I think you kind of answered it. The producers seem to be quite focused at the moment on trying to keep teams quite close together and making it a competitive finish. But that then means that any large mistakes that any team makes will just eliminate them, rather than in previous seasons having a chance to catch up. But like, I sort of understand where the where that's coming from because, um, from a production standpoint, you don't want any more than half the legs of a season ending with, um, oh, well, this team's like three hours behind; they're not getting back in it at all. That's it's sort of an anticlimactic end to an episode, which I can understand. Like once or twice in a season, like say if it's if a team like goes to Singapore and doesn't and doesn't even get into the last to the, the second last team has already checked in. Like, once or twice, once or twice one of those, but, like, for an entire season worth of those, because the teams and stuff are too spread out, you don't want that. You want them to get close together for close finishes and mistakes costing teams all last minute. It's, it's better television. It's not a pure race, but, like, in general, it's, just, it's better television. Unless you go to the extreme of having eight teams check in on the, on the mat and within one minute of each other. That's too far in that direction. But because they're so close, then they're able to help each other so much more. And this is the season where everyone's helping each other. If they weren't so close, we wouldn't have that happening either. Wait, this is unfinished business? Oh, no, I'm just talking about now. I'm talking about this season. And, you know, he asked why is everyone, you know, why are they making it all so close? You know, I'm just saying because they're close, they're all helping each other. It's just annoying. Yeah, it's a weird combination. Like, um, I dislike like any team that's been eliminated so far, which is a thing, but like, there's just two teams on the um, not too keen on, which we've already talked about at length. But like you can really you can really divide the cast that's left into three categories. A, the parent child teams which are carrying the show, B, the two other two overdog teams which are sucking up the show, and C the um, random middle of the road townspeople who are really all kind of likable but not really there. And we will finish with a question from Michael Jenks 
who says this was the first time country for the show. Did they show us very much of Armenia and did the roadblock give us an insight into Armenian culture? They didn't show us the real Eurovan, says random Armenian viewer. They didn't show us our giant lavash bread. I think they probably could have done that old change roadblock anywhere, but they just wanted to use the location. They wanted to have a tame full of a cliff. Yeah, they, they wanted to show us the real Armenia and show the mountain off and in the process came up with a sort of piss ball roadblock. What would they have done on Hammerots? Oh, Hammerots, they would have just, you know, buried them alive or something. Or come up with some sort of very offensive uh, task to do. They would probably have to crawl up the staircase on their hands and knees. That's what Hammerots would do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just wish that Amazer Race US would adopt some of Hammerots' penalties for non-eliminations because they obviously just have a blast coming up with stupid non-elimination penalties, like teams having to wear all their winter clothes in Brazil for the next leg. Yes. Or what they should have done is copy the task from Amazing Race 13 premiere with the crawling up the steps and just say there's this mysterious question and after you reach 524 steps at the top, the person asks you, uh, how many steps did you climb? And then you have to do it all over again. Yeah, they, they could have had a switchback <laughs> in a completely different location, but it would have been a switchback nevertheless. And we didn't have Charlie Mirren as the pit stop greeters. What the hell was that? I know. How disappointing. They are, they are, of course, the only Armenian people in the world. Did you know there's a place in LA called Little Armenia? I just found this out like a week ago. I can't say I'm surprised. I'm surprised. It's a little country. Yeah, but LA is absolutely massive. They probably have little every single country in the world. They probably have little North Korea somewhere. <laughs> is, it like a, is it like a section of like two, three... Blocks along two, three blocks along the Santa Monica Boulevard, and like you know, there's a, there's a little South Korea, and every every so often they just throw a rocket in the other one. I think uh, Kim Il Sung uh, designed every single building in those three blocks. He built them with his bare hands, and no one else helped him with constructing it. And he built every and single while, sign as well. And while he was making it, he uh, took on a bear and killed it. Even though bears are in California. And I heard that he uh, went to one of the golf courses in LA and uh, got 17 holy ones. And then gave up the sport immediately. Anyway, we should probably go before we, you know, get in trouble with North Korea. Yeah, I'd rather not make an enemy of North Korea. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, if James just, Franco just can for, do it. Uh, yes. Anything else to say about this episode? Um, no. After this episode, we are officially the uh, the Sherry LeBrant fan club. So thank you for listening to this UR Team Number podcast. You can join us next week to recap the seventh episode of the season. If you've got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, Reality TV Warriors, on our Twitter account, at RTV Warriors, or on our own Twitter pages, at MJ Halmstone for me, at LogSuperGawacky for Logan, at Inkwomy for Ben, and at Bear33333 for Michelle. Bye. 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 Wait a minute. Logan didn't do all his little hashtags. Am I, am I Thank God. To? Bye. Yes, you have no, to. Michelle, no. Yes, he How always you does it. That? Because it's fun. May I point out, it is a year that Logan has been doing those those hashtags now, pretty much. And we've got to go. See you guys later. See you later. Bye. Bye. Hashtag dial-up. <laughs> Logan, get off the internet. We need to use the phone. Hashtag acro the acrobat. Hashtag Matilda. <laughs>